Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen and I'm Caroline, and we're talking about something we've talked about before on the podcast, which is body odor. Yeah, we did a podcast a long, long time ago, touching on gender differences in how our bodies smell, and we've talked before about how scent can be linked to physical and sexual attraction, and we are going to touch on those things again. But there's some new research that's come out, and we had body odor on the brain to begin with because of this、uh, minor internet sensation that happened a couple weeks ago with the news that you could send people things called deodorograms. Deodorograms. <laughs> It's a nice way to tell somebody that they smell. Yeah, it's a it's this natural care company called GB Proudfoot that announced that they you could personalize a message to someone in your life who stinks, and they would send them this deodorant with a friendly message and a、Didn't、stick of deodorant. Yeah, it came with a stick of. Yeah, something. Yeah, you, you had a couple smells to choose from, and also different messages, such as "For Pitt's sake,、oh. throw out your current deodorant and give this one a try. You deserve a natural deodorant that works." You know, and message A, which is "You've always been such a cute little stinker." Dot dot dot. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, whatever helps. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to embarrass your friend or. Person in your life, I guess. Well, it's a touchy subject to touchy say, subject. "Hey, hey, person, you got some stinking going on." Yeah, well, you know, sometimes people can't help it. They can't help what they smell like, and maybe it's your problem. Maybe you're too sensitive. Well, and also, what we're going to talk about more in the podcast is the science that has developed around our personal scents. Like you and I each have, and everyone listening, it's like、uh, our our odors are actually more like fingerprints. Yeah, and it depends on how old you are,、mm. what your diet is like, how much you exercise, how much water you drink, all that stuff. Where you are on your menstrual cycle. It's true. Yeah. So, before we get into that, let's let's have a quick primer of where these scents come from, specifically. Two types of sweat glands that are found on our bodies: the eccrine, which are the most plentiful. They are; these are all over our body. There are three million of them, roughly, covering our skin. And the apocrine sweat glands, which are not as plentiful. There are only about two thousand of them. Yeah. So as your body temperature rises, your autonomic nervous system stimulates the eccrine glands to secrete fluid onto the surface of the skin. This is mostly water and salt. It's to to kind of cool you down. It's your air conditioning system. Now your apocrine glands, on the other hand, secrete a fatty sweat、mm, directly into the tubule of the gland. And during emotional stress or physical stress, like you're you're running or you're Running around, or you're stressed out, the tubule walls contract, and the sweat is pushed to the surface of the skin, where bacteria break it down. The bacteria are all hanging out, and they're like, "Man, when's our snack getting here? I could really go for a sandwich or something." And then the sweat comes, and they're like, "Yeah, feeding time, fatty sweat sandwich." <laughs>、oh, yeah, it's not. It's not the actual sweat that makes us smell. It's the fact that our bodies. 
are just covered with bacteria. Uh, this is from the National Human Genome Research Institute. The uh, ratio of ba- bacterial microbes versus skin cells on our bodies, 10 to 1. We yeah. are teeming teeming with bacteria. So really, if you want to lose weight, you should just use antibacterial soap. <laughs> yeah, just get get rid of all of those all of those bacteria. Although, you know, I mean, I'm sure they they serve the purpose, but these all these microbes love to feast upon the fatty sweat excreted by the apocrine gland because they contain something called a glycoprotein, which is a protein covered in sugar. Mm, like and, a donut. Yeah, so bacteria are like nom, 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 nom. <laughs> <laughs> when we sweat. Sweat donuts and sandwiches. Mm-hmm. That's that's really awesome. Um, now, there there's regular old BO, which, you know, if you've ever been to the gym, or run or been outside on a hot day. You've, you've probably smelled yourself at some point. You're like, phew, I need to take a shower. But that's, that's not really a problem. Yeah. Everybody's got BO. Everybody has a smell from time to time, especially if you're not doing your laundry or whatever. When it actually gets bad, it's called bromhydrosis though. And that's the chronic condition in which excessive odor emanates from the skin. And there's a bunch of different health conditions that can cause you to, smell anything from just like excessive BO to actually having a fish smell. It just kind of depends on health issues. Yeah. For instance, um, diabetes in particular is linked to uh, BO. If you're not monitoring your blood sugar and you have uh, diabetes, you can develop something called ketoacidosis, which causes fruity smelling breath and a pungent BO. Uh, then also with thyroid problems, if you have an overactive thyroid, the body might excrete an excessive amount of sweat. It's interesting how how the BO will will signal these internal issues going on. Um, but when it gets really bad, it's with this condition called trimethylmenuria, which it's much easier to call it by its handy acronym, T-M-A-U. It's when the body doesn't break down uh, this specific kind of amino acid properly, and it causes a distressing fishy odor. Yeah, and the thing is, they tell you to avoid certain foods, but as I was reading the list, I don't know what you can eat, because it says you have to avoid foods like eggs, liver, seafood, beans, peanuts, broccoli, etc., etc. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot you cannot eat. Well, and I'm sure for you, Caroline, eliminating the liver from your oh, diet. Yes, I don't know. Liver sandwiches day in and day out. <laughs> just, I don't know what I would do. Because you subsist off of cat food. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's anything that contains choline, actually. And, and again, it's, it reminds me of our, uh, celiac disease episode mm-hmm. where you have to, people with celiac have to eliminate gluten, mm-hmm. which is in so much of, of what we eat as well. Um, and there was a 2011 study, speaking of TMAU, out of the Monell Chemical Census Center that found that a third of patients with an unexplained odor, who had that fishy odor that's, you know, that actually starts to affect like different areas of their life, socialization mm-hmm. and psychology, because they have this smell, they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And they found that, you know what, the unexplained odor, it's the TMAU. So if you got a fishy smell going on out there, it could be, could be that the body doesn't process those amino acids. Yeah. Well, there's also an effect that your diet has. We, we mentioned diet, um, meat. Meat. If you are a meat eater, as I am, apparently you don't smell as good. 
as vegetarians. Yeah, this was from a study called The Effect of Meat Consumption on Body Odor Attractiveness that <laughs>、uh, was published in the journal Chemical Sense in 2006. Now, this was specifically male、yes. meat eaters,、uh, and they had 30 women who were not on any kind of hormonal contraception, which is important because, as we've talked about before,、uh, birth control might tinker with、uh, women's sense of smell. But they found that Uh, at least among these 30 women, the smells of men who were not or on a non-meat diet、uh, were more pleasant. Yeah, less intense, significantly more attractive.、Mm. So, <laughs> if you're looking for a reason to go vegetarian, I guess these 30 women would really appreciate it. <laughs> yes.、Um, there's also, if you want to avoid just your run-of-the-mill bio, you know, they talk about strong-smelling food like curry spices and spicy food because those actually do spicy foods increase your body temperature. I mean, if you've ever eaten something super spicy, you know you start to sweat. I'm a wuss and I can't eat spicy food, so that's not a problem for me. The problem for me happens to be garlic. Mm. Not that I eat it all the time. I'm, you know, whatever. I'm not trying to ward off any vampires or anything. But onions and garlic are a volatile sulfurous substance. So look out for that. <laughs> you, you, could, <laughs> you could smell bad. Yes, we will excrete those smells through all of those those pores. On our body,、um, but the thing is, you know, we we all have this distinct bio, whether or not it's amplified by something, you know, a condition like TMAU, or for me, my love of garlic and onions. I、yeah. do cook with them excessively. Whoops!、Uh, <laughs> but you know, the thing is, we do so much. To mask our own body odor. For、mm-hmm. instance, there is a study which found that 79% of women and 60% of men use a deodorant every day, while 44% of women also use a perfume every day.、Hmm. We're just coating ourselves in scents. I wonder if that's like a really American thing, though. Like, I, I feel like that's very American to try to wash. Everything off of you and not smell like your natural self. Because my friend,、uh, her husband is from England, and、mm-hmm. he doesn't use any deodorant, and he doesn't smell. Yes, there are differences among like the body odor preferences、uh, by culture. Yeah. So, and I have a feeling this was published in the Review of General Psychology, and it probably was from a, a Western study sample.、Uh, but let's get more into these. Unique smells that we have, because I, you know what, I'm all about embracing our own. I mean, keep it, you know, keep it under control, <laughs> but embrace your 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 scent, your own unique scent. Sure. Well, you could call it your、uh, your fingerprint smell, or your odor print, or your scent print, if you will.、Uh, the Journal of the Royal Society Interface in April 2007, researchers tested armpit sweat, urine, and saliva from about 200 adults and found that. The most、uh, volatile compounds were actually in sweat, meaning that that had the strongest smell. And they found, when they were looking at it, they found individually distinct fingerprints and a reproducible difference between the sexes. Yeah, they're referred to as genetically determined odor types.、Um, and there's another study which has found that、uh, you can actually sniff out relatives in a way because of those genetic links with your odor. Your relatives do kind of all, all smell similarly, which I find fascinating. Yeah, I don't go around.、Uh, maybe I should smell my mom more. I don't know.、Uh, yeah, it's going to make for some awkward family reunion <laughs> moments, but you should do it <laughs> at Thanksgiving. You're going around just sticking your nose in people's necks、oh, <laughs> once they're taking their turkey naps. You just sneak up. Yeah, that yeah that makes for awkward hugs. Like, oh, it's so good to see you, Uncle. <laughs> 
<sighs> anyway. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> You don't smell like me. Well, that whole like that whole constant that either genetic factor or that that family factor that that seems to run, um, it doesn't change even if you change your diet. You know, we talked about uh, uh, spicy foods or uh, garlic and onions, but the Monell Center in October 2008 found that an individual's underlying odor signature that that sounds nice is still detectable even when there are major dietary changes. And they also they use the term odor print. They say that we have a consistent odor print just like a fingerprint. And it's not so surprising that we have these specific odor prints because, as we've mentioned before, um, scent is one of the ways that we in, humans instinctively uh, can determine someone's major histocompatibility complex. In other words, uh, their genetic difference to us. Because if we, a lot of times the people that smell the most attractive to us have the most diverse major histocompatibility complexes, which would mean that our offspring would have a better chance of survival because, you know, we want to avoid, avoid inbreeding. So we're totally hurting the future of the human race when we put on deodorant. That's what I'm hearing. Possibly. <laughs> it's true. But let's get more into gender and sexual orientation because there have been a ton of studies um, around scent preferences and uh, it's really interesting. For instance, um, in one study, straight women prefer the scent of dominant men, especially when fertile. It's one of, that's one of those studies where I want to, you know, like shake my fist at science <laughs> a little bit. Fertile. Do they use the word fertile? Fertile. Oh, yeah. Mm. And we uh, straight women also tend to prefer the scent of men with more symmetrical bodies. Hmm, I can <laughs> I can smell the shape of you. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, though, there was another study out of uh, the Archives of Sexual Behavior from 2007, which found that I believe this is also straight women again, r- preferred the smell of gay men's T-shirts over straight men's T-shirts. Yeah, they had... T-shirts from gay men, straight men, and just out of the package, like just off the rack. And it was rated as like gay men's were up at the top, followed closely by out of the package T-shirts as far as like pleasant le- pleasantness goes. And then straight men's T-shirts came way behind. So you hear that, guys? Straight dudes out there. You kind of stinky. Well, there was like. a there was an earlier study from the Monell Center that they do a lot of smell research over there. Good for you guys. Um, they had gay and straight men and women make preference judgments on T-shirts. Again, you know, you'd wear your T-shirt around and kind of get it all a little stinky, and people would judge it. Uh, they actually found that gay men preferred odors from gay men and heterosexual women. So there you go. Everybody has a preference, and it seems that. Women in particular are maybe more attuned to this scent thing than men might be. Uh, there was a survey published in the Journal of Evolution and Human Behavior in 2002, which found that college women ranked body odor as more important for attraction than looks or any other factor except pleasantness. And what did the guys rate as the number one thing? Yeah, they, it was looks as most desirable. Um, and even in childhood, there seems to be that gender difference. Uh, this is from developmental psychology from 2003. They had children and adolescents uh, smell various odors and rate them for how much they liked it. And only 
the girls disliked male sweat and could identify it. Yeah, and they did a follow-up experiment where they cued everybody into the identity of the odors. And then, regardless of gender, adolescents over children disliked male sweat more. So they think that maybe there's some sort of like social thing that once you get older, you're like, ew, men. Men sweat. That's dirty. Unless you're fertile and he's <laughs> dominant, apparently, oh. and you're a heterosexual. All right. Fifty thing. shades of B.O. <laughs> uh, oh, but speaking of, um, I thought this was pretty fascinating. There was uh, an article published in May 2012 in The New Scientist by Mary McLeod, all about scent and um, all of the most contemporary research about it. And she cited a study out of Poland which found that participants could, by simply smelling people's sweat, predict their personality type. Really? For instance, whether or not they were a little more neurotic or extroverted. Uh Um, Yeah, I mean, a little more pungent. People were a little more erotic, but uh, not erotic, (laughs) neurotic. Neurotic. Or, or, you know, I don't know, maybe that was tested too. (laughs) Very erotic sweat. Yeah. but I thought it was it was interesting that even even with personality we infer so much from someone's scent, including their age. This is some of the most uh, recent research to come out, and this is again coming from the Monell Chemical Senses Center, and they were looking into this uh, the the old stereotype about old people smell, for lack of better phrasing. Yeah, people tend to find old people smell to be gross and off-putting and and negative, and they they don't have anything nice to say about it. But that they think, because of the study, that might have more to do with the context, because they didn't tell people necessarily that it was an elderly person who had donated the smell. They just had all these smells that they were testing. And the the subjects managed, though, to separate out the smells that belong to the elderly. They didn't, however, think they smelled bad or nasty or off-putting. They said that they smelled more pleasant than the rest of them. Yeah, they had the the participants divided up into age groups and um, by sex. And the group that consistently smelled the worst. Guys, I'm really sorry to keep keep on uh, calling you out here. I'm just stating the facts. Middle-aged men, you were the stinkiest lot. Sorry. But elderly men in particular, even more so than the elderly women, had the most pleasant and almost non-existent smell. Yeah, well, they point out that that might be because elderly men have lost testosterone. So things are evening out in the... uh hormone area. But I thought, you know, like we we have this association, I think, with, you know, it goes along with nursing homes and retirement homes and mm-hmm. the, those very particular smells that are there. And once you remove the, the older person from that context and we kind of disassociate, the, the old people smell is actually kind of a figment of our... Imagine, at least in a negative sense. Yeah. Well, and the participants who donated donated their scent uh, were healthy. So there wasn't an issue of any like health issues that might have been contributing to a bad smell, for instance. 
And this does, that, that study from the Monell Center does support a previous study published in the Journal of Investigative Dermatology from 2001, which found a specific component that's characteristic of the body odor of the middle-aged and senior citizens. And they think it has to do something with changes in our bodies in monounsaturated fatty acid compositions of our skin surface lipids. Yeah. Quote, unquote, the deterioration of the body odors for the middle-aged and the elderly. That's so, a nice way to put it. So like, so our diminishing body grease. Yeah, basically. Well, let's go to somebody who's not greasy. That's babies. That's maybe the best podcast transmission <laughs> that's ever been made. <laughs> well... Um, this, this is an interesting study. Uh, this was in 1997, Hormones and Behaviors. New moms are more attracted to the body odor of newborn infants than are non-mothers, even when they didn't know the source. It's like they just like smell freshly baked cookies and just go for it. It's like, I smell something that needs nurturing. There's a baby in this room. <laughs> There's a baby in this room. Um, and they did find that mothers with higher cortisol levels are better able to recognize their own infants smells. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a two-way street, too, because uh, by two weeks, infants can distinguish between uh, their mother's breast milk and that of another mother, and they that's one of the, the quickest bonds to happen between a mother and a child, is mm-hmm. that intense, uh, the baby bonding to the mother's smell, and vice versa. Yeah, it's really surprising how quickly infants develop that strong sense of smell. I mean, they can't see very well, and they certainly can't tell you what's wrong if they're crying, but they can smell you all right. Yeah. So, yeah, familiar smells. They can soothe infants. So well, think about that. I mean, if you think about it, like the, uh, the that intense link between our olfaction and memory and how that, can, you know, there's that tight um, association mm-hmm. in the brain. I'm sure our sister or brother podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, has done Lots on the science of smell. But uh, just to finish things off with this smorgasbord of smells podcast, let's talk about uh, something called olfactory reference syndrome, which I had not heard of before you sent me some info about it, Caroline. Yeah, I had never heard of this, but, you know, there, there's... You can be self-conscious about the way you smell. Like, if you've been outside running around, you might be like, oh, gosh, I hope I don't smell too bad, especially, you know, if you have to go back into work or whatever. But it's usually not debilitating. But there are people uh, with olfactory reference syndrome who feel that they smell so bad that nobody would actually want to even spend any time with them, be in the same room with them at all. And these people usually fall into depression and shut out the world. And this is from Catherine Phillips, who's a psychiatrist at Rhode Island Hospital. They found that 60% of these people have thoughts of suicide and 32% actually attempt it. And they spend, these people can spend somewhere between three and eight hours a day obsessively thinking about their various odors that nobody else can smell. So you're sitting there constantly just in a state of high alert, like panic, thinking like, oh my God, you can smell my feet. Can you smell my feet? You can totally smell my feet. Well, a majority thought, 75% thought that the smell was from their breath. And then 60%, it was armpit smell. And then 35% thought that the odors were coming from their genitals. And um, the doctors think that at first, they thought it was something to do with schizophrenia, uh, but now they are seeing more of it as a link to OCD behavior. Yeah, and so they usually try to treat it uh, with cognitive behavior therapy, but also exposure therapy. So no, you're going to eat those onions and garlic, and then you're going to go out and you're going to socialize with people. Darn it. 
And so hopefully, with the hope that that can actually help them get over it. But even in the general population, there is a link between heightened anxiety and a more acute sense of smell, which is kind of fascinating and, and reminds me of our, you know, what animals we are sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a uh, University of Wisconsin study in March of 2012. They put uh, a bunch of people in MRI machines and and tested basically what happened in their brain with the, the smell region of their brain and when they were anxious. And they found that as anxiety rises, so did the subject's ability to discriminate negative odors. Yeah, and it, they think that this goes back to our evolutionary roots of you know threat mm-hmm. detection and all of our senses going on. High alert to keep ourselves safe. Oh, my God. The prairie tiger is going to kill me. Somebody farted. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Run away. Run away. Uh, So I think that's all the smell research that we have. Um, My takeaway is, you know, if a straight man smells very good, uh, maybe he might be gay or very dominant. Or a vegetarian. Or a vegetarian. All of these Who things. doesn't eat spicy food or garlic. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, lots, lots of fascinating takeaways. Oh, I've got one more. What? I forgot to mention. This was also from 2012 in the Journal of Forensic Science. They found that like police dogs, trained dogs, mm-hmm. Caroline, they are better at sniffing out women than men. Well, that's just not fair. I know. So <laughs> lady criminals also... <laughs> be, be aware. Yeah, watch out. So that's all we got. Uh, since BO, any any BO related stories we would like to hear from you, listeners. Now, MomStuff at Discovery is where you can send us your letters, and we got a couple here to share with you. This one is from James. The subject line is exciting fiction. Exciting is in quotes, so who knows what he has in store for us. He says, I'm a classicist, and I thought I'd share some fun facts about Ovid and the ancients when it comes to exciting literature. The Ars Amatoria comes in three books. The first is for guys and teaches you how to get a girlfriend. There are some really cute scenes, like how to help your lady friend have a good time at the horse races. Uh, That's my main concern. Thank you. The second is for ladies, teaching them how to get a boyfriend. The third teaches you how to break up. (laughs) Uh, We don't know why Ovid was exiled. It's even possible that he never was, and his poetry on the subject might be some weird performance piece, like what Joaquin Phoenix tried to pull a few years ago. Yeah, that's weird, and Netflix keeps recommending that I watch that movie, and I don't want to. Um, Apuleius's Metamorphosis is a very funny erotic novel. It's mostly from the main character's perspective. He gets turned into a donkey early on and stays that way almost to the very end. The Greek novel is a genre that's more like your modern-day romance novel with two young lovers, pirates, kidnappings, fake deaths, etc. On the visual side, he says, if you ever took a mythology course or Roman sieve, you probably saw some Pompeian frescoes of Priapus, a Roman fertility deity with a comically large phallus. Uh, second bullet point, Greek vase painting from the classical period sometimes depicts graphic acts with the characters fully disrobed. I'm not sure who would want their olive oil shipped in that, but hey, different strokes and all that. So thank you for the, the saucy fiction pointers. Erotica. It's been around for ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I have an email from Dima in Pakistan, and this is in response to our episode on donating old clothes, and she 
has some pretty nifty ways that she deals with that. She writes, My best friend's mom and I are usually the people uh, folks come to when they want to donate something, especially clothes. So what we do first is sift through them and separate them into two piles. Horribly ugly clothes, slash unusable clothes, and clothes people might actually want. With the horrible clothes, I cut them and tie the strips together until it forms something like a ball of yarn for each item. With that yarn, my best friend's mom will crochet a rug in about three hours while she watches TV or something. She gives these rugs away to anyone who wants them, and we plan on selling some next year at our city's Heritage Festival. With the usable clothes, we have created a swap with our friends, which I am making many people come to. So, that's... Two great ideas for clothing donations. And if you have any great ideas or stories or just a hello to share with us, you can send us an email, momstuff at discovery.com. You can find us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And you can check out our blog. We're on Tumblr now, folks. It is stuff mom never told you. .tumblr.com and as always you can make yourself smarter by heading to our website it's howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry it's ready are you